a listener production. <laughs> Take it away, my dulcet-toned Adonis. Hello and welcome to Just the Gist, a weekly-ish podcast in which Rosie Waterland and I, Jacob Stanley, give you just the gist of what you need to know about a story we think you'll find interesting enough to discuss at a dinner party. And I almost said, ordinarily, Rosie Waterland and I ah, nearly went deep for you back, baby. Oh Week three. Baby. I know. On a roll. And we've got, you know, breaking news on the other day and this on this day and it's mm-hmm. sunny in a floor and I'm liking it. Mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm. I'm Very liking profesh. it. Mm. Very profesh. And so we're still getting used to just not gas bagging for a while and getting straight mm. into the story. But yeah. I guess here we go. I've I've got a story. Boots first. Let's go. Um, 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 um. I need to come up with a new, like, we've got the breaking new song. We've got mm. the clearing the throat at the start of the whole, like, I need a thing to ease into telling the story. Like a... <sighs> Like, you know what they do in, like, a transition shot on a cartoon or something? Like a... Yes, let's see if we can get Lem to compose something for us. No, no, I want to... very good at that. Oh, I'm, you're going to do sorry, a vocal. I'm very good at it. <laughs> How dare you? How dare you? Apologies. I will be doing the sound effects because people love them. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> they say so all the time. I'll come up with something. Thank you very much. Okay, here we go. <clears throat> in 1686, after mm. several failed attempts, a surgery was finally successfully performed on King Louis XIV of France, making him so happy to be out of pain that he elevated the role of surgeon out of what up until then had been considered a pretty undignified profession. Mm-hmm. His respect and investment led to the opening of the Royal Academy of Surgery, which led mm-hmm. to the development of modern surgery as we know it today. Jacob, today I am giving you just the gist of Louis the Fourteenth's anal fistula. <laughs> <laughs> What on earth could have inspired this? <laughs> now do you see why it had to be a surprise? <laughs> because you probably wouldn't have let me do it. <laughs> oh, I knew it at some point. Uh, you're just going to keep shoehorning this into okay, every okay. conversation. No, but let's, to be fair... We had talked about this in the Mm. Where Rosie's Been episode, Mm -hmm. but then that episode ended up being quite lovely and profound and adding on an extra 40 minutes where I went into detail about my anal surgeries didn't quite fit. So we Mm. cut it. Mm. So you've heard it many times, but the others haven't. And a lot of people have asked me because I said on my Instagram... Uh, for those of you who don't follow, at the end of last year, I had to have three emergency anal surgeries and it all started with eating some bad chicken. And mm. everybody kept saying to me, how does eating bad chicken lead to needing three anal surgeries? I felt like some people were kind of like, I don't believe you. And I was like, girl, it's happened. <laughs> so, you know, I'm just going to like briefly use myself as an mm. example to explain to you what an anal fistula is and what King Louis had, and then we can get into his pioneering surgery. Because you were all asking for this. You were all You've asking You've all been dying to know. Yeah. So listen, very quickly. Little disclaimer here, mm. gistners. <laughs> 
So listen, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a colorectal surgeon. And I was talking to my colorectal surgeon at my checkup and I explained to him how I explained how anal fistulas work. And he was like, um, (laughs) no, sort of. He was like, you've got just the gist of it. And I was like, great, that's all I need. That's what's on. So listen, guys, I have explained it as best I can, as best as I understood it from trying to research medical things. But in a shocking turn of events. (laughs) But in a shocking turn of events. Um... If you are a medical student or you might find that I've not explained it exactly correctly, but you get the gist of how it works. That's right. And look, take this approach. I don't expect horror movies that I watch to be scientifically accurate. And this is like a horror podcast episode. It kind of is, yeah. So like, you know, there's a tunnel and some crap comes out of it. That's that's the gist. But I, I've explained it. Pre- he said it was okay. So... <laughs> Anyway, It'll get you through a dinner party. It'll get you through a dinner party. I've, ex- I've explained <laughs> anal fistulas enough to get you through a dinner party, which is the point of the show. So I just wanted to put in that little disclaimer that, yeah, <laughs> I tried. <laughs> Last year, I got really sick, like with what I thought was gastro. I was sick for about five days. I went to the hospital. I got admitted very quickly because... It was like something very serious, but they didn't know what. I ended up in hospital for six days and um, just pooping liquid, the whole to-do. And in the end, they came to me and I was like, this better be impressive. I better have had something that could be in the movie Outbreak. Like, this has Mm. been hell. And they were like, no, you've had Campylobacter, which is basically just, and I was like, what's that? And they're like, you probably just ate some bad chicken or came Mm. into contact with some bad chicken. And I was like, that's really annoying. Yeah. I wanted that to be more exotic. Part of why that even kept you in there was they were thinking this has to be yes. something really serious. This may be a totally new disease, never been discovered before by yes. modern medicine. They wouldn't we come ha- into, I was in an isolated room. No one was allowed in unless they were in a hazmat suit. Like mm. it was very much like we, like I had to take my own stool samples because like no one was allowed near anything. It was like, and they were growing cultures. And I was mm. like, well, I'm in an episode of House. Like they didn't know what it was. They had to wait. It was like really serious. I had really high infection markers and, and then it was just bad chicken. Yeah, you weren't patient zero. Was, you weren't I special. Yeah, I wasn't special at all. So then um, a, a few days after that, I noticed a lot of pain when I was pooping. And uh, it turns out I had an anal fissure, which is like a little paper cut in the side of your anal canal. Really painful. Feels like you're pooping glass. So <laughs> that then, I had that for long enough because it just I couldn't get rid of it. Um, I finally, like... Uh, it, it finally seemed to go away and I went back into the GP like a week after it had gone away and I said, look, I'm pretty sure the fish is gone but I'm feeling something weird now. Uh, I'm feeling a weird sense of pressure. And she's like, okay, get up on the table, let me have a look. And she basically pulled down my undies and had barely like glanced at my butt when she was like, okay, get up, I need to call a surgeon. And I was like, what? Say what, what? And she's like, um, listen, don't be alarmed but fishes <laughs> often can, because it's a cut in the side of your anal canal, like mm. there's a lot of bacteria and a lot of poop mm. and poop can get in there and then it gets infected and you now have an infected perianal abscess, which is basically like a big, you know, if you've seen uh, Dr. Pimple Popper, a big mm. pus-filled abscess <laughs> inside your, like Not on the man. side of your anal canal that's like protruding oh. out of your butt 
And she's like, you need, it's going to blow. Like, and if it blows, I don't know, you die. I don't even, yeah, yeah, whatever. And so she's like, you need to go into surgery. She called this surgeon and he, they were on speaker and he's like, look, I don't have anything. It was Friday, it was Friday afternoon. He's like, I can fit her in on Wednesday. And she's like, I don't know. I'm really worried about it. And they were, and I'm just sitting there like, what? <laughs> like, just thinking I'd like, I don't know, maybe had a hemorrhoid or something. And um, they were like, okay, put her on these antibiotics and like, and, and if anything happens over the weekend, she has to go straight to the ER. And I was like, oh, okay. And then like, Something did happen. I started to get really sick. I started to get feverish. The pain was really bad. And a fever means, like, infection. Mm. I'm trying to get through this quickly, and I know you want to tell everyone that I kept watching TV rather than going to the ER. Yes. (laughs) She had a very high temperature. She was not feeling well at all, but White Lotus Day (laughs) was was Mondays at the time. And she wasn't willing to go to the hospital until she'd watched the final ep. So Mm. I went... Um, and they were like, yeah, this isn't, um, great. And they took me in straight away, basically with the, like, my infection markers again were really high. I was like not appearing well, um, on the monitors or whatever. And like, we need to get you into emergency surgery. Um, but it's, we're just too worried about like, um, how high your infection markers are. So we're going to put you on IV antibiotics, to try and bring that down before we take mm. you in. So I ended up, it was so bad. I was on IV antibiotics for like four days mm. before they finally took me in. And then I came out of it and they were like, look, it actually wasn't that bad because the IV antibiotics must have really shrunk the abscess. So we just kind of cleared it a little and now you're good to go. And I was like, mm. amazing. Like this has been terrifying, but okay. I survived a perianal abscess. Thanks, 2022. <laughs> and, um, and then about... A week later, I was still having just issues. Mm. Something didn't feel right. I started to feel the pressure again. Um, I was really stressed about it. So I called my GP and she was like, nah, go back to the ER. Mm. So I did. And I ended up in for a, another surgery in which they, uh, I came out of that surgery and they said, that abscess has turned into a fistula, an anal fistula. And here is where I'll explain to you what this is. So (laughs) it is basically where um, you have an abscess that is formed inside your anal canal. Mine was caused by the fissure, which was caused by the bad chicken. But, you know, however yours forms, there's many different ways. (laughs) So I had this abscess form on the side of my, like, like on the side of the anal wall, and then it kind of... um, uh, because it's filling up with like pus and your body wants to get rid of all that bad stuff, but it's unable to go down through the anus because it hasn't like burst open, your body really smartly kind of forms a tunnel from the abscess (gasps) down the side of your anal canal and then out just a new hole in your bum, a new hole forms down next to your anus. So it's kind of like your body going, okay, I don't know how to get rid of all this gunk in here, so I'm just going to form a tunnel. A fistula is basically a word for a tunnel. So so every time you poop, this tunnel is there in the anal wall. So 
it's really hard for a fistula to get better because every time you poop, a little bit of poop goes into the tunnel and just keeps feeding into it, which just keeps it infected oh. and gross and keeps this abscess down on the base of your, like, butt really, like, oh, it's for some, mine was right next to my anus, but for some people it's in, like, the middle of their bum cheek. Like, oh. the fistula just goes rogue and, like, <gasps> sends it out somewhere else. Um so this is what this is what it is. And so if you've explained this to me before, I blocked it out of my yeah. memory. So <gasps> when I woke up, the surgeon said, "Look, it's a fistula and we didn't know this when we went in. We thought you just had an abscess, so we didn't get permission from you to do the particular surgery we needed to do for this." Mm. Um so I've put a little tube in your anus and that's going to let things drain out. Um <sighs> And then I'll get you back in in like a month and I can go in and like basically to repair the fistula, you just kind of have to um, seal the hole, seal the tunnel up so that nothing bad can get in it, clear out all the gunk, and then it just kind of heals. That's the uh -huh. uh, idea. And I said, dude, I'm moving to Sydney in like five days. Like I can't, <laughs> I can't come back in a month and you mm. just put a tube in my butthole. Like... <laughs> What the hell? And he was really nice. It was close to Christmas. He could see I was stressed. I'd been dealing with this for like a month now. And he said, you know what? I can fit you in in a couple of days. Mm -hmm. So I went back in in a couple of days, had the surgery, um, and they fixed fixed it, fixed the fistula. We hope. We hope. I've got a checkup uh, tomorrow. No, the next day. Mm. So fingers crossed. <laughs> so that's just a very quick journey. To explain how, yes, sometimes you can have some bad chicken and you end up with three unexpected emergency anal surgeries that were, I cannot tell you. a little secret trap door next to your back door. Yeah, a little secret trap door next to your butthole. And I cannot tell you the pain involved. It was really bad. I was on a lot of morphine, texting people, very random people, very graphic descriptions of what was happening to me, like friend of the pod, Sam Peterson, for some reason, I think he just happened to message me while I was in hospital. And so then he just became a person. It was like I was keeping my sisters and you and him updated on mm. my anus. Mm. He was like, I guess we're closer friends now. <laughs> like I was just telling everyone I was off my face. We got um, photos of the discharge, Lindsay. <laughs> I was still a lot of morphine involved. It's a lot of pain. I've had more hands up my butthole than you know, in than I would like ever again. <laughs> so that is what a fistula is, and um, I I just took you through that very quick journey so you have some context for what we're dealing with here with King Louis. Mm -hmm. So your surgery was the same as King Louis had. I'm uh, guessing. Well, he had he had the he had the much. very first one. Yeah, pretty much. There we go. So here we go. It's 1686. Mm -hmm. Louis Fourteenth is 48 years old. Mm -hmm. He's been king since he was five. <laughs> so he really thinks he's a very special boy. Mm -hmm. How could mm -hmm. you not? Also, fun fact, this is the king that the movie The Man in the Iron Mask is based on. Oh. Even though that's a totally fictional story, but like that's that's this Louis. So imagine Leo in your uh -huh, mind. Uh huh. Um. So he's been reigning for forty three years. Yeah, and he did go on to reign for like seventy something years. So he was a one of the longest reigning monarchs. Mm -hmm. And like he was a good king or 
as far as kings go? You know, or? Jacob, this is just the gist and I was focused <laughs> on the butt. So <laughs> I didn't really go into like all of the politics, politics or the wars e- or whatever. Don't know. Mm-hmm. His mother had suffered uh, miscarriages and stillbirths in her previous pregnancy, so she obsessively doted on him. He was very spoiled. She convinced him that, you know, of the concept of him being the divine leader, he really believed he'd been anointed by God mm-hmm. and that he was the centre of the universe. As such, uh, he picked the sun as his, like, royal symbol and called himself the sun the king. The sun king. Okay. Yeah. This is exactly who I'm picturing. Yeah. yeah. He thought that he was the reincarnation of the god Apollo yes. from ancient Greece and Rome. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, doesn't seem like it when you hear what happens. <laughs> Coming up. So we have a pretty detailed account of his medical history because his uh, physicians had to record everything in like a daily medical diary of the king. Mm -hmm. So he had all the usual stuff people had at the time, like boils and gout and dental abscesses and rotten teeth and all that kind of juicy stuff. It's said he only bathed twice in his life (laughs) because back then... Bathing was declared immoral by the church because it led to promiscuity, sin and disease. Why do you think? Because they were getting out of their clothes that they'd been sewn into for the first time? Because to bathe you have to be naked and the church thinks that's immoral. So no one bathes. (laughs) Like weird sexual issues that cause everlasting harm? The church? (laughs) No. So um, water also, though, was kind of gross itself because they weren't really like technologically in a place where they were using different water for different things. So like poop, Mm. vom, cooking, it was all just one big slosh. Um, And they figured out, okay, the water seems to be making us sick but rather than be like, why? What can we do? They just said, water's evil. Stay away from it. <laughs> so people really didn't want to bathe. It was gross. They thought it would kill them. And the church told them that it was sinful. And, I mean, oh. if you think about what was in the water or probably was in the water, you can understand why you wouldn't want to bathe. Oh, like it would be, be a gross thing. all sorts of microbial thing. activity. Yeah. yeah, for sure. But um, the Russian ambassador to France at the time said that Louis stunk like a wild animal. Mm. That's nice. Not the best conditions to prevent health issues. No. So he's 48 and he starts to feel a little bit of a lump downstairs. Mm-hmm. Been there, buddy. And it's noted by his doctors, his like personal doctors in the um, palace or whatever, that in the health diary that on 15th, oh, wait, God, on 15th January, oh, I just keep going into Ilaria whenever I try to do an accent. <laughs> on, fi- on 15th January, yeah, I got to do it like um from The Little Mermaid. His Majesty complained of a small lump in his crotch. <laughs> wah, wah, wah. <laughs> Two finger breaths in front of the anus, which was not painful to the touch, <laughs> with no redness or throbbing. Wee, wee, wee. <laughs> so he had this little lump that was just kind of like, eh, not, nothing too bad. Mm-hmm. It's not painful. The doctors aren't super worried. They assumed it might just be a blocked gland, which because of the lack of cleanliness at the time was pretty common in the butt area, like just how, you know, if the pores on your face get clogged with dirt, it forms a pimple. Like if mm-hmm. one of the glands around your butt 
gets too dirty, it, it forms mm-hmm. a bit of a like a lump because it's a bit blocked. So mm-hmm. they were just like it usually goes away if you treat it with um, what was the height of medicine at the time, mm-hmm. fancy exotic hot compresses. So just like oh. herbs and leaves and like flower petals and like red wine and just all put up in a bit of like cloth and then like cooked over the fire and then just pressed on it. Okay. You know, magic potions, tonics. Yeah. Um, they that also did exacerbate the problem, I think. Well, yeah. Yeah, okay. Medicine wasn't exactly, <laughs> you know, great at the time. Mm. Um, they also did like a lot of enemas. Apparently Louis loved enemas and he would just have them done to him while he was sitting on his throne, like just chatting to people in court. Like <laughs> I guess it, it was a way to make you feel kind of like clean or like empty and fresh, I guess, yeah, in a light. world where that's not super possible in other ways. Yeah, but it can be done in privacy. Well, they knew he liked that. So when he had this lump, they were trying the compresses and they were like, well, let's ramp up the enemas, I guess. Like <laughs> they don't really have a lot in their playbook <laughs> to work with. Uh-huh. Um, because, yeah, medicine was in a weird place. Uh, the most common medical practice that had been developed at this point was pretty much all with God in mind. So it was all to do with letting evil spirits out and like it hadn't, it had evolved since then, but not much. Mm-hmm. Um, doctors would pretty much also only deal with the outside of the body. So they had their compress, like compression, like uh, compress things and their mm. tonics and prayers. But anything more serious than that, like would get, they would get a surgeon to deal with today, like what we call a surgeon, like cutting mm. into a body or dealing with blood. Like when they did like um, bloodletting, where mm. if someone was sick, they just kind of nick you and let blood come out and be like, there, that's getting rid of all the bad blood. You're Watch cured. Those toxins go, yeah. Yes. Um, Were they barbers as well or was that just an England thing? No, no, that's what we're getting to here. So surgeons didn't exist as a standalone profession Mm. at all because people thought it was kind of a barbaric thing to do, cutting into flesh. Mm. There were barber surgeons basically because barbers were the ones who cut hair so they're good with a razor so then they started doing like all the undignified medical things that mm. doctors wouldn't do. So you could go to the local barber and get a haircut and like get a rotten tooth extracted or mm. stitches or like bloodletting. Like that's what barber surgeons would do. Lucky barbers. They're basically what just like those like sicko butchers who want to cut things was mm. the attitude about them. So... King Louis's doctors, the ones who just pretty much deal with tonics and compresses and and praying to Jesus and not cutting into anything or whatever because that's gross and undignified, they just keep doing that kind of stuff and putting the details in the diary, but nothing they're doing is working and the compresses are probably actually making it worse and it eventually, uh, this little lump becomes a perianal abscess, which is what I described. Like Mm. this thing has formed. It's like a big pus-filled boil Mm. in his butthole, basically. And this is where things get dangerous because, like I described, perianal abscesses very often turn into 
anal fistulas. Mm. And anal fistulas were common back then. They knew what they were because once you got one, you were pretty much dead. There was nothing that could be done. They didn't know how to fix it. And mm-hmm. it would get infected and you would go septic, go septic. and die. Mm. Like, so people knew what fistulas were. And if you get an perianal abscess, it's like, fix this now, because if mm-hmm. you don't, you're headed to Fistula City. It's going to escalate, right. So now it's potentially dangerous. And King Louis the Fourteenth is pissed off at this point because he's like, I've got these fancy doctors who just mm. seem to patter around with rose petals and sticks. And what started as a little lump has grown into this painful abscess and now I'm at risk of something really dangerous and he can't sit down. Oh, I feel you, buddy. And he can't, like, every time he goes to the toilet, it's excruciating pain. He can't Mm. ride a horse, which is how people get around. Like, it's bad. So his doctors decide that they need to treat him by essentially popping the abscess and letting everything drain out of it. Mm -hmm. But because they refuse to use scalpels or anything like that, they're medical doctors. They're Mm. not barber surgeons. They take a hot iron, like a poker... (gasps) Oh! And they put it in the fire. <gasps> and then they basically stick it up his butt oh. to pop and drain. <gasps> That's us. At least it's sterile. But, oh, this that was is, a form of torture they used to do yes, to people. and there's no anaesthetic. There's no anything. He's away. It's like they just oh. off he goes. It is extremely painful. And then he had this, like, gaping hole right next to his, like, anus and, like, like they, you know, and so then they took a bunch of, like, rose petals and leaves and all Mm. their stupid tonic things, they put it in a pouch, cooked it in red wine and just shoved it in the hole. (laughs) This is their solution. Yeah. (gasps) The finest minds in Europe at the time came up with that. Finest Mm. minds. So... The problem with this is, like, if you watched Dr. Pimple Popper, you would understand that if you don't get all of an abscess, like if you even mm. leave the tiniest bit of the sack behind, it'll just grow back. And, you know, that balloon will just fill up again and then you're back where you started. And it also doesn't help that they're just constantly putting wet pouches of junk up there. So it never gets a chance to, like, air dry and heal. It's constantly just, like, wet and gross. So they do the hot poker thing several times over a few months because it just keeps coming back, which I understand. Like, it, I get it. Mine also came back. But it's just not going away. And it's clear now to them that it's, ter- it's turned into a fistula. Like, it, mm. they've noticed that, like, this tunnel has kind of formed, like, well, like there's a hole next to his anus and mm. they can see that it's like there's also a hole, like in his anal canal, like they're, they're like, this is a fistula, there's, mm. this is tunneling somewhere. Um, and so, <laughs> like I described <laughs> with my debacle, King Louis is now in a place where every time he shits, like mm. all of his poop is falling through this little side tunnel on the side mm. of his anal canal and then that's going like directly into this abscess and it's just poop and 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 bloodstream and infection city it's it's not good it's not good mm. this is usually back then death mm. but king louis is like not today motherfuckers and he tells his stupid medical doctors get lost with the compresses mm. and the hot poker mm-hmm. and the prayers get me a barber surgeon right mm. now no one knows 
how to do it, though, because it's never been done successfully. Yeah. I'm sure some sickos have tried. They put the call out. No one wants to attempt it on him because it's like, I can't be the barber surgeon who kills the king. Yeah. So everyone's scared. But then this one guy called Charles Francois Felix agrees to the mission. He uh-huh. is a barber surgeon. Uh-huh. And he says to the king, I will do it, but I want to go away for six months mm. and figure out how to do it properly. Like <laughs> I'm going to come up with a plan. I'm basically going to invent how to do y- your anal fistula surgery. Who or what was he practising on? <laughs> oh. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Himself. His kids. So oh. Felix has a general understanding that what needs to be done is to close the hole in the anal canal to stop poop getting in and mm. then that will allow every, and then they clear all the gunk out of like the tunnel and the abscess and that will allow everything to heal and that is essentially like and then that's how you fix it. Mm. So he's just like I know in theory what to do, but I have no idea how to perform a surgery deep up inside someone's rectum. Mm. So Felix is like, I'll figure this out, but I need some people to practice on. And King Louis XIV is like, too easy, love it. There's a prison, there's a hospital filled with indigent people. (gasps) Take who you like. So over the course of the next six months, Felix... uh, I, I want to use the word operate, but I'm going to say experiments, tortures, <gasps> around 75 men. Oh. Uh, no anesthesia, nothing, just trying ways this. to do anal surgery on these people. Um, apparently, like, they all died. They were buried really early in the morning with none of the traditional, like, even most basic church bells or anything because they didn't want anybody to know that, like, uh-huh. this is what was happening. Mm. Um, apparently one guy lived and it's like, okay, well, hopefully that was the last one. Was he like, I'm ready now? Yeah. Like, I can... <laughs> I mean, you want it to be more, but at least there's one. 75th time's a charm. Yeah. I'm ready now. <laughs> so he he does. He, like you know, goes through all these guys and he figures out after the six months how to do this anal surgery. He also, over the course of this, has invented two new surgical instruments that he needs to get it done. Mm -hmm. And I sent the pictures to you, so I want you to have a look at the first one Mm -hmm. that is called Le Bisturi Royale or the Royal Probe. Oh. Oh. Oh, yeah. Oh. Do you want to describe it? <laughs> well, firstly, I mean, just the um, the caption for it is the Sun King's anal fistula. <laughs> and then it looks like it's got a handle that might be made out of tortoise shell uh-huh. and then a long, curved, very skinny probe, kind of looks like an antenna. Yeah. An extended antenna. Uh, also, that's a scalpel. Like the whole thing is a scalpel. Oh, it's sharp. Yeah, it's like a curvy sword. Like what the, what's that guy? Scabbard. Like what death carries. Kind of looks like a skinny version of Scythe. That. Yes. Yeah, kind of like a scythe. But yeah, so the curvature I'm assuming is to help really Get up hit the through spot. the tunnel, I guess. I, yeah. Okay, so now look at the next one. Okay. 
No. <laughs> this one's called the when rich- anal fistulas were all the rage. Is the caption? Of oh this no, because they were. We'll get to that. This one's called the retractor. <gasps> and Lindsay, oh, I actually really want you to see it, Lindsay, because it's like, um, it is like the tool that every woman who's have a, who's had a pap smear knows what this mm. thing looks like. It's like a big rusty metal one that goes into a butthole instead of a vag. Okay, I'm forwarding it to you now, Lindsay. And then you kind of, like, I guess, use it to open. Oh, that's a big smile. (laughs) 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 It looks like it's big enough to hold someone's mouth open while they're getting, like, root canal done on their teeth. Because I'm assuming it would need to be, and I don't want to think about how (laughs) wide mine was opened but it would need to be quite wide for them to get a visual up there. Yeah. No wonder they give you a lot of oxycodone for after. (laughs) Yeah, no thanks. You see it, Lindsay? Yeah, it reminds me of something that you would see in a Saw movie. Yes, or when you're getting your pap smear. It kind (laughs) of looks like that thing, the speculum thing. So... Um, so that's Felix's claim to fame. He invented those two tools and he was mm. ready and killed 75 dudes or maybe 74. And at 7 a.m. on the 18th of November, 1686, King Louis Fourteenth is mm. taken into the small chamber attached to his bedroom. And I don't know, I couldn't find out if this chamber was named this name because of the surgery or it was already just coincidentally called this name. But the chamber is called Le Salon de Loyal de Bouff, which means the bullseye salon. Mm. Like, do you feel like, <laughs> you know, apt? Yes. It, maybe it was after. I don't know. Said with a little wink. With a little wink. The brown bullseye. Now, <laughs> because at this time getting surgery is basically unheard of, particularly for a king getting surgery or a procedure that no one survives or no one has been known to survive mm. for a thing that usually kills people, this was all kept very secret. Mm. So only a few important people knew, like his doctors, uh, Felix, a couple of Felix's assistant, his like uh, mistress was there and a couple of like high up council people. Mm. So he's given a preoperative enema because he likes those just to relax him, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> Just one last one. Yeah. <laughs> In case I don't make it through the yeah. surgery. This is a little treat. Pre-surgery Forget the treat. last supper. I just want one last squirt. <laughs> he um, apparently was really interested in the tools that uh, Felix had invented and they uh-huh. chatted about those. i got to say, if I saw those tools on a table, I would be running away from the room, but he mm. was into it. Um <laughs> He lay down on his side and he was looking out the window at his gardens. A pillow was placed under his stomach and two of the surgery assistants, like, held his legs akimbo. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> there's no anesthesia. There's nothing. He's awake. He's about to get penal. penal. <laughs> He's about to get penal surgery. He's about to get anal surgery. No pain relief, nothing. Mm. Now, Felix uh, wrote 19 pages of detailed notes about how the whole thing went, and I'm not going to go into all that detail because, Jacob, I truly don't think you would survive it. Um, (laughs) But I will say 
The surgery took over three hours. One of the counsellors oh. was holding the king's hand the whole time. They say that he did not scream in pain or complain at all because that was really important for the dignity of the country, that he remain mm. stoic. Although it is reported in Felix's notes that on two occasions during the surgery, the king exclaimed, Mon Dieu! <laughs> Mon Dieu! Which means, my God. My God. My God. So I'd like to know at what point. Um, towards the end of the surgery, King Louis the Fourteenth asked, I, "I need to do wee 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 to get into it." Wee wee, is it over, gentlemen? Finish. <laughs> do not treat me like a king. I want to recover as though I were a peasant. Oh? Why do I sound like I'm in the Princess Bride? Okay, so <laughs> he's basically saying to them, like, don't go carefully or, or because of me, just get it done. Mm. Hurry up and finish this. Mm-hmm. Um, and they do, and he survives. The operation is successful. He's up walking around in two days, which, yeah, like it's, that's pretty amazing when I, like, it's kind of what I was doing. It was, it takes you a couple of days to sort of feel like you can do stuff and, mm. It's um, it's painful afterwards. Um, the fistula does return two more times, <laughs> so he needs it done again twice more because and just this, like you. This is well, no, I'm getting a checkup. We're checking mm-hmm. because it's just once they close the um, hole up uh, to let the tunnel heal. Um, it's it, apparently it's quite easy for that hole to tear open again if you're not too careful. Uh-huh. So like you just have to be very physically careful to let it really properly heal so it doesn't um, happen again. But with him, it Mm. did happen two more times. Um, But then it's over. After the third one, fistula no more. Mm -hmm. King Louis is thrilled. He gives barber surgeon Felix like gazillions of dollars and a whole lot of land and a title and a big, you know, manor house. And Felix immediately retires and never performs surgery again. Um, Go out on a high, yeah. And a random thing that happens now, which is why uh, that uh, picture had the caption when um, anal fistulas were all the rage, is that when the French people hear that the king has had a successful fistula surgery and that he was so stoic and brave in the face of such immense pain, it becomes kind of fashionable to also have a (laughs) fistula. And all these other doctors from Felix's very detailed notes figure out how to do it. And so then it becomes really popular to be like, I've got just what the king had. I need... People were getting this surgery voluntarily, (gasps) even though there's nothing up there. Like, it was... Apparently it was like a bit like if you've got bandages on your butt, you're like, yeah, me too. Also me. So that was quite fashionable for a while, apparently. Um, oh. but <laughs> Watch a- you spark a trend <laughs> yeah. with this episode. Oh, my God. Like, all our gistners are going to be Rosie like... I've had. Yeah. Oh, my God. Mm, gistners are going to totally have just relate. like a wave of anal fistulas. <laughs> Hot gistners get fistulas. Yeah. <laughs> mm. Hot gistners get fistulas. <laughs> it's a new catchphrase. <laughs> Exclamation pork, a turner has been corned, and hot gistners get fistulas. Wink. 
<gasps> oh, what a status symbol. So... Um, An actually useful thing that happens from all the French people hearing about the surgery, though, is that people start to respect surgery as an important skill and an important part of medicine, which it had not been in the past. The medical community, the medical education community was incredibly classist and snobby and just thought that any barber surgeons were just haircut butchers, basically. Mm. Um, King Louis donates heaps of money to the country's medical school to set up a surgery faculty. Mm. So he's like saying you have to teach surgery as part of medicine now. And um, surgery develops like an official kind of curriculum, I guess. So it's not just a whole bunch of barbers going, hey, I can also cut that thing. He establishes the position of chief royal surgeon, which is Mm -hmm. basically like the leading expert on surgery in in the country at any one time. And whenever there are disputes between like the old school kind of medical doctors and the newer surgeons about how to train medical students or about how to treat a particular ailment or illness or patient, King Louis often steps in and allows the surgical side of things to do what they need to do. He really mm-hmm. trusts how they go about things. Mm-hmm. The king's, and he's got reason to. He, he definitely has reason to. The king's eventual death um, many years later, because he lived a really long life, also played a major role in elevating the status of surgeon because of surgeons because he died of gangrene in his leg and his medical doctors in the palace kept insisting that he just had sciatica and were putting hot compresses on it. (sighs) And by the time a surgeon came to see it, the gangrene had spread and it was too late. Mm. And they said to him, sir, we can save your leg. We we can cut off your leg, but we cannot save your life. Mm. Louis really wanted amputation and the medical doctors were like, no, no, rose petals in a pouch, just on top of it. So a lot of people, the French public, really thought if surgeons had been the ones to treat the king and not medical doctors, he, they would have just amputated his leg and he would have lived. Mm. So that really gets people on side with surgeons too. Mm-hmm. And all of this led to France getting a reputation as being the best place in the world to get surgery, pretty much mm-hmm. one of the only places it existed for mm-hmm. a while. People came from all over to be operated on by French surgeons who had been trained by other French surgeons in their um, new um, education system. Mm-hmm. And um, eventually the Royal Academy of Surgery opens in Paris and it's at the forefront of developing modern surgery as we know it today. Mm-hmm. So King Louis the Fourteenth anal fistula is the reason we now have modern surgery. <laughs> and that is just the gist of well, King Louis' anal fistula. For your service, King Louis, and thank you, Surgeon <laughs> Felix. Um, and thank you for serving that. I like to think there's a direct Wonderful line. Tale. What he went through, the bravery he exhibited, is the reason I got to be on a lot of drugs when mm. I went through mine. And You're the doctors the just went tradition. boop, boop, boop. And it was like, whatever, quick. And hopefully at my checkup. Don't you feel like I'm just like totally jinxing myself and next week it'll be like Rosie died of sepsis. A little bit, <laughs> yeah. Was back. I feel like telling this story before we actually have put a bow on it and gone, yes, it's over, um, was tempting fate. Yeah. But um, let's just hope that the line has been drawn mm. 
and that there'll be no more dramas mm. and you'll never have to speak of it again now that yeah. you've given us such a detailed account. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Mm. That was all very, very unexpected. Mm-hmm. That that yeah. launched such a huge... When you think about the French Revolution, you don't think about a revolution in medical care. No, and uh, and that it all started with an anal fistula. With, yeah. That's not a n- not a heart it. thing, not another... Like an anal fistula. Mm. Kicked it all off. So what's the moral of the story, do we think? The moral of the story is when you were in a hospital with a loved one who just went through a complex surgery... You need to say, thank you, Rosie. Thank you for having that anal fistula, which connects back to Louis. Thank you. This is all because of the anal fistula sufferers that we now have the surgery to save our loved ones from many other things. Where would we be without the fistula people? I've truly played my part in this. Blazing trails. Yes. Thank you so much for that. You're so welcome. I hope everyone enjoyed the dinner. I'm sure they were eating while they were listening. Um, I'll put all my resources in the show notes. Uh, To be honest, I found this story on TikTok while I was in hospital getting my fistula surgery because I was just searching on TikTok fistulas. I follow (laughs) a lot of colorectal surgeons now. Um, And, uh, yeah, from there I just kind of branched out and found all these other resources for this story and I'll put it all in the show notes. Terrific. I feel like I've heard and seen enough. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Bit of a do get curious, or I'll, I'll double. Alrighty. Alrighty. Bye. Bye. Jacob, next week's episode is a story you told, and it mm. blew my mind. It's a mystery, it's a caper, it's a, it's caper. a character study into men who think they can do the Adele interview. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's highly entertaining. Melissa Kadaki. Oh, yeah, shades yeah. of that in there. Yeah. yeah. It's a fun one, Dissonance. Tune in. The prison break involved nail clippers, raincoats, a piano accordion, what? a vacuum cleaner, and paper mache. And it worked. This is just the gist of the most famous and arguably most successful prison escape ever, the escape from Alcatraz. Alcatraz. Mm.